0: We're not live for the first time <laughs> I've done one of these I'm pre-recording it which feels a bit strange but I we I want I've called this episode how to build an audience and make a living from it and as I just said in the bit before um that's an important caveat that I, I think people don't really realize that everybody wants to build an audience they don't know why they want to build an audience and I think we've all got this obsession now with wanting to get loads of followers on twitter or or whatever medium we choose and both of you are perfect examples who have people who have built an audience quite intentionally and then made a living from it so that's i guess that wasn't really the reason why we said we wanted to do this was it i just sent you a message and just said it wouldn't be cool if we just chatted (laughs) it's nice that you have a topic though it's always nice to have something to circle back to so that's perfectly fine yeah, so right. I think we should, sorry Jamie, I think we should just start with introducing at least, not not too long, because I think they're the most boring part of podcasts and videos <laughs> or whatever this is, but um Arvid, just quickly say who you are, what you've done.
1: Alright, my, my name's Arvid, Arvid Kahle, I'm a German, I play the accordion and I really like ducks. Said enough, or do you need like professional stuff as well? (laughs) Now, I'm, uh, I'm I used to be a software engineer. Then I turned writer, entrepreneur, and built a business with my partner, my life and business partner, Danielle. Feed panda, sold that thing. And then all of a sudden I had time to write. I wrote, started a blog, started the podcast, started a newsletter, and then wrote a book. And that was super well received. And I'm now working on my second book. In which I talk about audience first stuff, so it kind of fits the topic of today's episode. That works pretty well. That's what I'm doing. I'm now I'm a writer, and I spend like 28 hours of each day on Twitter. Apparently, <laughs>
2: it's incredible, Arvid. <laughs> I, I I'm stoked to even just be here and, and pick your brain a bit. Um, and Craig, for your for your audience out there, uh, I'm Jamie Russo. Uh, I'm a writer based in Brooklyn, New York, uh, and for the last 10 years, I've been working in a variety of different functions, whether it's consulting or finance or, or big tech or early stage startups. Um, and the type of writing that I really in, enjoy doing is the type of writing that uh, kind of uncovers the the mindset of early stage entrepreneurs, because I think they're fascinating people. Um, and I've just really enjoyed interacting with the, the two of you both um, on Twitter. I, I got on Twitter six months ago, and I think mm-hmm. that's where a lot of uh, the the relationships with other creators um, for me has formed uh, and I know that this conversation was literally born out of someone suggesting that the three of us talk yeah uh, and oh, I, I couldn't be more uh, more excited to talk to both of you guys today because I think everyone's doing really interesting stuff
0: yeah and um, well uh, this this is my podcast so people usually will know what I do but for the context <laughs> of this I spent 2020 quite intentionally building an audience on Twitter and I've nearly got 4,000 followers now so still quite small but I intentionally built an audience with the idea of making a second income stream is probably the easiest way to understand it but to explore new income streams because I'm a designer by trade my 90% of my income comes from being a designer I run a design agency and in early 2020, when coronavirus hit, I thought, there needs to be a better way here. What if my design work disappears? What if my clients disappear? And so I've been in this world for so long, I, you know, I've designed things for, quote unquote, creators. And I I understand very deeply how this whole thing works, but I've never thrown my own hat into the ring and given it a try. So I was like, right, well, it's 2020, COVID has hit, I need to change things, so I'm going to try it. So we've we we all, we've all come from maybe similar things. I'll reach the same conclusion, but from probably different places. Um, I think an interesting place to start is this whole building audience thing. What would be interesting to get both your perspectives on is if anybody's listening to this and I just said, how to build an audience they instantly get that fear of well it's 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 not an audience or i'm 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 not a i'm not a thing i'm not a brand or or whatever what would you say to somebody who says what why would i want to build an audience what's the reason for building an audience Goof. Uh,
2: okay. I think well, so it's so interesting for me because I, um, when I, when I started writing about a year ago, I was thinking to myself that, uh, what is, what is the purpose uh, of writing? Um, for me at the time, it was a really great form of personal therapy. So my story is a year and a half ago, I basically lost my dream job. Uh, I was at a company, uh, called WeWork that was going through a really tumultuous time and nearly half of of my team was let go last November of 2019. So in that moment, trying to figure out what was next for me, I just started writing for myself. I I started writing um, personally as a form of therapy because it was one of the easiest ways for me to start to grapple with what I wanted to do next. And through the course of a lot of that writing, which at the time I was, I was doing on LinkedIn of all places, because I thought I was going to leverage that content to like land my next job. Yeah. Um, through the course of, of that ended up building a, a big audience. Uh, it was a time when LinkedIn was rolling out a new feature called LinkedIn newsletter. I grew that newsletter from zero to 10,000 subscribers in three months. Oh, wow. And then I realized, crap, like, this is not the the audience; These are not the people that I wanted to write for. I was writing uh, maybe clickbait uh, articles to help entrepreneurs like bootstrap a business or raise capital or hire a team or uh, build product. And it like, wasn't the writing that I found interesting. Every, I, there's so many other people that are far more qualified to do that than I am. And it wasn't the writing I wanted to do. It wasn't the audience I, I wanted to reach. And so that's what brought me to Twitter. And uh, over the last six months on Twitter, I have been writing mostly for myself. I think Twitter is an interesting place because a a lot of the writing that I do is kind of like little reminders for myself uh, that I publish publicly on Twitter. Um, But through the course of doing that, I get to share my ideas, my thinking, and meet other like-minded people that are attracted to similar types of ideas. And even though, uh, I built an audience on, on LinkedIn from zero to 10,000 in three months. And even though I've been building on Twitter now for six, eight, nine months, uh, and, and haven't even built a, an audience, half the size uh, of what I did on LinkedIn, what I have found through the course of building in public on Twitter, it has given me the ability to, uh, reach the type of audience members that I want to reach, get super tight feedback uh, from the ideas that I have, um, because nothing is really quicker, um, in terms of feedback loops than Twitter. And, uh, through, through the course of all of that, be able to meet incredible people like yourselves and and just be able to jump on zoom calls, collaborate on projects. And, uh, it's just just such a powerful way. So I think for a writer, uh, a lot of people think like, yeah, yeah, you build an audience that you have readers. Um, but that's, It's really only one very small piece of it. You you also build an audience to meet friends, meet other writers, uh, craft your ideas, hone those um, so that when you do eventually build a product like a book, um, it's the best possible product it can be.
1: I, I love the fact that you started with this comparison, that you had this very passive LinkedIn audience almost like an audience in the literal sense that we understand it, like from a, I don't know, somebody's on stage, a musician and like playing music and the audience is just cheering and consuming and that's it, right? There's no communication. That to me is one definition of audience that I see a lot of people using and too many people using exclusively. And because there's more to this, I feel the other audience that you described, the Twitter community, that it's not just a passive consumer group of people, but it's really this almost on the same level, everybody is there just voicing their opinion. You may be a writer, you may be a person uh, that has some sort of expertise, but you're still really chatting with people. You're not just talking at them, you're talking with them. And I think that makes the whole difference between classical definition of audience and maybe I don't know, new economy definition of audience where I see myself and where I see like the whole audience first and the audience building that new kind of audience is interesting. The old one is nice if you want to sell a lot of weird stuff to people you don't care about. Right. You can have all your hundred thousand LinkedIn followers and just like drop some weird PDF that you kind of put a couple hours into and and try to charge them as much as possible. So they drain their company's bank accounts. You can do these things and you probably can make a lot of money, but your reputation might suffer a little. And I think that brings me to what I actually wanted to say, because I feel when we build an audience and what people often forget that it's it's not just that salesy stuff. It's not just like getting people, getting a following and then selling them something and trying to squeeze as much money as we can out of them. To me, that's like by far not the most important, if any important thing at all. I, I think there's two goals to audience building. And one is to become a domain expert in the field, to build a personal brand, a personal reputation, and to build something meaningful that helps these people that you chose to be your audience, like build a product, build a business that has also. a professional brand and the professional reputation two things you do at the same time and i see this like for myself i built my brand as myself as a person that is like apparently i'm a nice person that's people that's what people, people tell me just kind and empathetic that's what i'm trying to be online because that's what i just am Right? But I also have my my work, my products, my both my SaaS that I'm building and the books that I'm writing. Those are the other brands that I'm building. But the audience is for kind of both. Right? You're building these two things up at the same time. And that's why audience building is such a wonderful thing because it's not just building an audience. It's not just building a following around you and then like squeezing them for their money. It's building for your following. It's building for that audience that you're surrounding yourself with. It's like a community. You could get into a community. You become someone in the community because you're helpful, you're supportive, you're engaging, you help people achieve their goals. Well, at some point, There's reciprocity. People want to give back. And I I guess that's both for Jamie and me, people buying our books at some point, right? We give them what, what we know, we share what we, what we understand, how we can, what we teach. And we also share other people's accomplishments and lift them up, show the community that there's more than just selling stuff. There's also like empathy and sympathy and all these, these little things, they kind of build your brand as a person, like, you know, a human person, not a brand person, not Nike, where you interact with the brand. It's not the same for bootstrappers or or people like us who have like self-funded businesses in most, um, yeah, in most regards. So that's what audience building is to me. It's much more than building a following. It's really just building two separate brands that are intermingled. And that uh, also maybe before I start going too deep into this monologue, um, if you build a personal brand on Twitter and you have a business, business slash business brand, whatever happens to the business, doesn't matter. Your personal brand will always be there. You do a thing, it flops, you write a book that nobody reads, you build a SaaS that nobody uses, doesn't matter. Your personal brand is still there. And that's why audience building is so powerful, because even if you fail horribly, that will actually increase your audience because you can now invite people to learn from your mistakes and that attracts people too interesting people as well, right? People who want to learn, people who want to share and want to see other people share. So there's only benefits to this, to me, at least in my understanding. I don't know what you I guys agree. think about
0: that. I, I agree. And that that's a really, really important point that it builds capital. It builds professional capital that you can turn to anything that you want. This isn't just a thing that's exclusive to somebody who doesn't have a business or, or doesn't even or even somebody who's working for somebody else. I know Matt, Matt Kobach's spoken about this before, about the idea of having um, brand guardians, or, or whatever word you want to use. When you work for a company, why would you not encourage people who work inside the company to be out there building a quote-unquote personal brand, building an audience? That, that I think that personal capital thing is a really important point. Because we live we're living in the, the this kind of lie that we we tell ourselves that we when we work for somebody because we work for somebody else the job's permanent i mean jamie you experience this you you, you think you you get your dream job you you were working for we work and you think right i've made it that that that's it and and now you're everything's tied up in in the job that you've got and 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 that could be a uh repeat it anywhere you could go work for the dream company that you wanted to but the truth is that isn't a secure opportunity anything can happen in the world and instead of tying up your your person your personality and all your professional capital in that company you can separate that a little bit and build it for yourself and I think there's just one point I wanted to make as well that, that's kind of related um, and it's I read this last night in a book that I'm reading. It's a book about advertising, actually. And it's got a quote in there. And the quote is, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. That's, that's a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And that quote says that if you build something really good, people will come and find it. Uh, and it's kind of, it's not true. Basically. reminds me of another quote that doesn't work right you yeah. like, build it and there what comes pretty much exactly yeah. This. yeah exactly and what's really funny about this well quote,
1: i mean that that
2: might have worked before uh twitter guys let's give emerson right. some credit
0: yeah
1: okay let's <laughs> not it's too much right it, it, it depends on the the kind of immediacy of communication as well right and and scarcity and all these things but sorry what, what did you want to yeah say? sorry Craig. no no <laughs> it's, to, it's, it's, to it's fine
0: you. um <laughs> but there's there's two things that's really funny about this quote uh the first one is that this is the lie that we tell ourselves that our time should be spent making something amazing and then the people will come but ultimately that's not true it's the it's the 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 community that you build around you that you then say well i've made this thing and then they go buy it so there's this idea of of um of, of building capital in that way as well so you can turn people to the cool things that you make and then, what I really love about this quote is that Ralph Waldo Emerson did not say it, but everybody <laughs> thinks that he did, and it was an ad man that changed the words that that got the saying out there that promotes Ralph. Now, even you know he's, he's long since dead, but it promotes Ralph, and it's the perfect example of marketing something instead instead of. Just saying something. Do you know what I mean? the The quote would have never been out there if it wouldn't have been put out as content as a marketing thing. It kind of shows the power of content. I don't know if that point makes any sense, but you know what I mean. No, it's certainly interesting to use the the reputation and the the kind of uh,
1: potential s- skeptic reactions of people to this quote in particular. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on with the quote. I I really like it though. Like the discussion about something like this. Because I, I, I do feel, and Jamie just kind of hinted at that, that in, at a certain time, that made sense. At a certain time, quality work was yes. actually what attracted people. Because I think, the first off, you knew fewer people. So you knew more about the people you knew. There's always this kind of uh, back, like just a couple hundred years ago, before the telegraph and before instantaneous communication, like the fastest thing you could do was write a letter and hope that somebody would carry it from your place to theirs. Like To me, that's still mind-blowing that this is the fastest way you could communicate anything. And usually, particularly with um, important stuff, they tried to write as little as possible, so they would save like a couple seconds here, and then the rider would get new horses at some station like a fresh horse to ride even further. The the, the lines of communication back then about how fast information could spread and how fast people could make a choice and an informed choice were obviously very different um, to what there is today. And I guess today, community is something that a couple hundred years ago, people would not have understood as community community today is something highly dynamic. Right. It's some I, I literally get a hundred new friends every day or 100-something new friends every day. Yeah. This is not the norm for, for a human person to interact with other people. Right? This is just our current technological state in, the, in, in which we operate with our things, which is why this quote doesn't make sense, because everything else doesn't make sense either. <laughs> Don't really know where I'm going with this. It just feels the dissonance between um, what used to work in the past in terms of marketing, in terms of proof of work, social proof, quality of work, has been completely thrown out and changed significantly with the advent of the internet and with social media in which this conversation takes place. Right, Twitter in particular is a, an, an incredibly genius social medium. It's both personal, so it kind of enabled us to have this conversation before we jumped on this call, but it's also communicate personal communication in public. So everything you do is an act in a way yeah. I'm, I'm i was trying to rectify this cuz i'm writing about this i'm trying to, to tell people and teach people how to be genuine and still um, intentional on twitter and it's it's always a balance act right you can if you if you genuinely know yourself and you see something stupid written by somebody you react and you just start yelling at them that's like at least my human reaction is yeah. oh, like you're an idiot right here's why yeah. <laughs> kind of stuff but you, if you do this um, as a personal brand builder as an audience builder in public then this is not a good thing to do. So you have to kind of control these urges and act in the interest of the community, but also act in your own interest. It's a very complicated thing to to build in public and to be a public persona and to, to raise this kind of following around you and be both yourself and be the person you want to be and portray to be to people it's it's a very complicated thing and i'm surprised that people manage this because psychologically it's super complicated do do you agree with this or am i just overthinking
2: i actually was thinking about this yesterday and part of the reason i was thinking about it is because i think it's a very easy thing to like fall into that uh common mindset of like that imposter syndrome when you are building in public, when you are sharing your ideas freely on a platform like Twitter, when you are simultaneously aiming to build relationships while also like going for growth. And that to me is, is something I, I wrestle with constantly. And some days yeah. it's, it's like, it's, it's something I'm, I'm not thinking about and I'm just, you know, out there freely doing it. And then other days I, I still continue to go back and say to myself, like, am I, am I writing this for the right reasons? Am I publishing this for the right reasons? Like, is this my true and authentic self? And I I think part of the reason, uh, for the listeners that I'm going through this is I am a, a relative newcomer to Twitter. I've been on there for more or less six to nine months. And I think every single day I am still continuing to try and refine the message that I'm sharing with the world. I think, the more and more reps that you get in, the more and more you're capable of truly sharing who you authentically are with the world in 280 characters or less is just like one, one of those things. But I, for me, I I continue to feel like when I look back, man, what was I thinking six months ago? Like, or like three months back, like, why was I aiming for such growth as I was like launching this book? Like, was I doing this the wrong way? Are the people that uh, have like signed up to follow in my journey? Um, are, are they signed up for the right reasons and you know, so on and so forth. You guys will hear me say this a lot. Like I try to use Twitter to find friends, not followers, but is, is, there ever a point where that mindset is going to break like and and so i again like I, it comes back to that idea of like imposter syndrome i think everyone feels it um at, at, at one point or another as they're as they're growing and and i just wanted to actually bring it up and, and raise it with you guys um
0: I I felt you it. have
2: some interesting perspectives on it
0: i felt it because i it, it was early 2020 when i started using Twitter very intentionally I always say I started taking it seriously previous to that I was on it for 20, uh, 20 years I was on it for 12 years and it was just it was just a fun thing for me then and it had become less fun because all of my friends weren't on it anymore it used to be this community where uh, all of us kind of uh, I was mega into development then all, all these devs and engineers used to jump on it and we used to have these really cool conversations and discuss stuff. And that kind of disappeared probably six years ago or something. So I was just consuming stuff on it. And I wrestled a long time with what I was going to say on there. At this point, beginning of 2020, I was 14 years down in a career as a designer. I am a very experienced designer. And I, I was scared to say things about design to the point where for two or three months, maybe even a bit longer, I never spoke about design. I was, I was talking about, uh, just, just typical, typical crap, really personal development and all those kind of things. The kind of things I occasionally drop in now, but it's more about design now. And I, I had this thing in my mind the the thing I always used to That used to occur to me in my mind is who am I to say these things, and I I think that's what a lot of people think. Who am I? Who am I to say these things? I'm just a a a thirty year old guy from a little town in the UK. Who am I to say these? But there's a point where you just think, well, I'm just the same as everybody else that's saying these things. Really, there's nothing that makes them special. Just like there's nothing that makes me special and you just try it you just start saying these things and then all of a sudden you there's like this opening of your mind where you go oh I actually do know what I'm talking about because I talk about it every day with clients anyway and you realize oh I I am actually an expert quote-unquote and I'm okay with saying that but imposter syndrome is is absolutely a, a thing I found it it's not something I found tough in my career but when it comes to out saying things in public, that's a whole different ball game. I suffered from it massively there.
1: I, I can relate to that. I I I also often felt it, and I felt it. Like I still feel it. It's it's the weirdest thing. Like uh, there's a there's people who who praise me for stuff, and I feel, do I deserve this? Yeah. And m- maybe I don't. Maybe I do. It doesn't really matter, right? It's just like even having this feeling, and and then somebody like disagrees with what I'm saying, and I spend like an hour. Dealing with this in my mind. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's 50 people agreeing with me and and telling me how, how what I'm saying actually changed their life. It's the weirdest thing. We are so focused on these potential negative things yeah. that aren't real, even real, right? It's, it's just all our mind like making up this narrative about how we're not worthy that we, we start like preventing ourselves from getting where we need to be. So I, I completely agree with this, and I and I think um, what what has helped me with this is considering everybody that I'm talking to, to be an actual friend already on Twitter in particular. I'm I'm really, when I say something on Twitter, I'm not saying this into this void of everybody, like people who like me, people who don't like me, or people who don't even know me yet. I'm saying this for the people that I really, really enjoy hanging out with, like you guys. That's like who I say this for. People that I have in my mind made into friends, we may not be friends just yet. We may be on this little path of building this relationship, but in my mind, they're all already friends. And all of a sudden, it's like when you talk to friends and you say something that turns out to be stupid. You just say, "Oh, I'm sorry, take it back," or "Yeah, okay, this this what you just told me changed my mind. or changed my mind, and now I actually learned something." Thank you. If you can do this in public. Like it's literally you become undefeatable (laughs) because, you know, like learning and publicly um, admitting that you're wrong and correcting your opinion that attracts people like nothing else. So if you want to build a following of people who like honesty and vulnerability, then you might just want to be honest and vulnerable. It's like, yeah, it's obvious, but we all feel this public act of presenting ourselves to pop to public Twitter community. We would, would have to put on this brand this kind of we have to put on a brand, not be a brand, be ourselves, but act like we are something else, and that never works out. And I think that's the imposter syndrome. Um, I, I really like this this thing that I saw the first time, written in a piece by uh, Anne Laura LeConf. She said, "The only people who don't feel imposter syndrome are the actual imposters. So by definition, everybody else who feels it cannot be an imposter because." they wouldn't feel it. And I think that really helps me whenever I feel like this is like, okay, yeah, this is just my mind. And now I continue to do what I'm doing and I do it well and it works out. So that's just imposter syndrome is this it's, it's all in here. Right?
2: Yeah. I think the thing that I've, I've been uh, thinking myself that's really helped me a lot is the idea that no matter what every next version of myself is going to require a greater version of myself. And so I know, and I think what's beautiful about the the community that we have found on Twitter and that we're a part of is everyone else thinks in a very similar way. Um, and so I think there's a, a really incredible beauty of being able to look back in time at a version of ourselves and say, man, like maybe, I don't like the way that I was, but I'm proud of who I am. And I'm proud that I was able to go from where I was to where I am now. And not only that, but I wouldn't have been able to get to where I am today without uh, version uh, A, B, C, and D of Jamie Russo. Uh, so that's, that's something I think is really cool. And especially when you produce a, a product like a book, Arvid, like, we now have the ability to like look back on our, on our notes. We have the ability to look back on past articles and say, man, like what the heck was I thinking at the time? But like those ideas helped us like build this thing. And it's not just a book. It can be any product that you build. Um, uh, You know, and, and I think that's, that's what's so cool about having our notes and ideas on Twitter in public. Even if like, I look back and I say, (laughs)
1: like, who was I? Well, and then you also see that people get to see your journey from this. They see that you were wrong and became writer, right? And then something changed in you. You you learn something, you grew and they see that it's possible. And they were there the whole time. It's such an encouraging thing to just be present in your own development on your own journey and sharing this with other people. that's, that's really what all I'm trying to do is just to share whatever I'm doing. And I don't know where I'm going to be honest. Like, I, I know the kind of the yeah. little steps that I'm taking. Like Who, who really knows, right? But <laughs> I, I know that I, the next thing is probably going to be my book and then who knows what I'm doing. Maybe I'm just going to sleep for a week or I'm going to like continue building my SaaS or I'm going to do a course because that's the thing that the cool <laughs> kids do. Or I don't know. It could be anything and I don't need to know right now. All I need to know is that there is this group of people that are somewhat interested in what I'm doing, what I'm learning throughout this whole journey that will always stick with me, no matter what I'm doing. And that itself is super encouraging to me. Like that, that, that is just driving me forward every day. I've been writing like every single day since the 1st of January on this book, cause I really want to get it finished. And the kind of feedback that I get for my daily, this is day, whatever, now is day 28 of the marathon. The feedback that I get there is just they're pushing me out of bed the next morning, back to the, to the writing part. It's just really being on a journey, having people join you, and they don't need to cheer. They don't need to like be, be like actually encouraging. Just the mere presence of them is good enough for me. I think, and and yeah, yeah it's, it's just such a powerful thing to do this in public. And I hope to inspire, but I don't. I don't, don't want to force that. Right? I just hope that somebody else is seeing, is seeing this and thinking, okay, I'm also an expert like Craig was saying, like I've been, I've been doing this for 12 years. I may not be an expert expert, like an acclaimed expert that gets invited to panels or conferences, but I know like 12, like over a decade's worth of stuff from an industry that other people would love to be part of, right? Design, software engineering, like entrepreneurship. These are all very both fashionable and let's, let's be honest, lucrative. Fields to be in, so by by just showing people that this is possible and here is how and here's what I know, you're just inviting people in. It's just, it's just um, and that's that's the last thing I'm going to say. The abundance mindset that I see on Twitter yeah. and in our community, compared to the zero sum mindsets that I see in other communities, is just such a strong driver. Right? When you know that if I add something to this community, I'm not going to take anything away from anybody else. It's going to be better for everybody involved. Well, then, of course, you should do it. Then, of course, you should build an audience and build in public and share what you know because it's a net gain for everybody. There's, you're not stealing anybody's attention by yeah. being amazingly helpful. Right? It's like the, the fact that we consider this to be a problem, that we keep ourselves back or that we, we try to push other people away from uh, becoming an expert, domain expert in a field, is mind blowing to me. Everybody should try this. Everybody should share what they know. It's, it's a net, like a win-win-win situation. Community, you, you yourself, and the people you interact with, everybody is benefiting.
0: This is this is the only difference between an expert who is known and an expert who is not known. The expert who who is known is the one who started a Twitter account or started a newsletter or whatever. They aren't. Any better? Yeah. In fact, usually they aren't. They actually aren't better. They are <laughs> actually not as good as the practitioners right. who are in there day in, day in and day out. But they had something in them to decide to put themselves out in public, and they just said, "Hey, I'm, you know, I'm learning about this thing. I know a lot about this thing, and I'll tell you everything I know about it." And that is literally the only difference they've got. I remember when I I started my career as a designer, and I went to my first. Design conference and I was sat in this audience, and there was three or four hundred people in the audience and I was looking at these gods of design uh, up on the stage telling me all these amazing stories and these amazing things and it always made me wonder why why were they chosen? that's what I thought at the time why were they chosen to be the experts? why were they chosen to be on the stage and why am I sat in the audience? And I thought about that a lot for a long time. I used to wrestle with the idea. What made them where they are? What put me where I am? And over time, I realized they're not as good as I thought they were. They're good at talking. They're good at speaking. They're good at articulating their thoughts. But as a designer, eh, not so good. So then you start to think about that a bit more. And you realize what it is. And you realize that what they did different was from the, often very early in their careers, they put their thoughts out. They shared what they were learning. No, no ego, no no saying this is the best way to do it or anything. This, hey, here's what I'm learning. And that, uh, there's a perfect example on Twitter, a chap called Catalin Pitt. And he did that from the very second he began his career and built an audience from it. He knew nothing. Literally nothing, and he said, "Hey, I know nothing. I am learning about how to be an engineer. Here's what I'm learning," and he built an audience from it. And I, I think that there is is the main difference. It's getting over the first hurdle of just saying, "This is what I'm learning." You don't have to say that you're an expert. I think it's better when you don't. To be honest, I think
2: you have to check the ego at the door. And one of the things that I love about what you just shared is. I think one of the things that blocks a lot of people from ever raising their hand or ever putting themselves out there is this thought that like number one, like what qualifies me more than anyone else? And number two, like everyone else out there that is trying to raise their hand is at the same level as I. And when I started writing on Twitter, what I actually really loved um is the fact that there could be an 18 year old halfway around the world who is no more or less an expert than i am on on something but that person and i are at an even playing field if we're both coming to twitter and starting to to build our our community and to me that that lights kind of like a little bit of like a competitive spark in me but not really. Uh, instead, what it, what it does is it's just very humbling. Um, I, I started by sharing the fact that I began writing on LinkedIn. LinkedIn was great for me because I had the ability to hide behind a resume. Mm. I have 10 years of experience in these cool uh, company logos that I can add to my, my LinkedIn. Um, but uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't matter when you're building a bootstrap business. That doesn't matter when you are uh, trying to build a career as a solo creator. Um, none of none of that matters. It's helpful, but none of it matters. Like I'm on am an even playing field with anybody that's starting, you know. And I found that to be super humbling. So uh, when I started writing on on Twitter, I, I didn't tell people I was actually writing a book. I didn't tell people where I had worked. I didn't tell people my WeWork sob story. Instead, what I did was I just was my, myself. I tried to meet other people that were at a similar part in their journey as a creator, which for me, it was the beginning. <laughs> and I, I got to meet people like Brandon Zhang and Robbie Crabtree. And like through that, like, we all kind of like grew together into very different directions, um, but got to kind of push one another and grow and, and just see what's happened in, in six to nine months. So I, I think that's really cool. Um, it's, it's such a humbling kind of mindset to check that ego at the door and realize we're all starting at zero. I,
0: I, I want, yeah. I want to, I'll let Arvid come in on this afterwards, but I want to just really highlight one thing that he said that really changed my mind. And I've had this attitude in design for a long time, but the same is with audiences, there is enough people out there for, for any audience. Arvid could write a book about design. I could write one and you could write one and they, they'd all do well. Because there's enough people out there that are interested in things, anything. It, it, you, can't, there, you don't need to corner one part of the market just for yourself. There's enough for everybody. There's enough corners for everybody. That's, that's the amazing yeah.
1: part about this too. Like Even if you wanted to be a su- super specific expert in any given field, like in, in a very specific field. like If I would write, would write about design, it's about how I do not know anything about design. Before <laughs> software engineers turned writers, right? Something yeah. super specific. Like how, how, um, maybe how I made. Uh, 20,000 different mistakes in trying to design um, the cover of my paperback book, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. I could find a way in which I could take my personal journey, make it relatable to somebody else who's on the same journey. And there's a lot of people who write or are self-publishing their own books and who have no idea how to really design a cover. That could actually be an interesting, maybe not a book, but a project, right? Mm -hmm. To teach people how to set up your own self-publishing situation that's what I did. And that's why I have experience where I have unique experience because I also do it in public. Right. Mm. So th- that there's so much specificity to where I am working that I could write about just what I'm doing and find thousands, maybe not millions of people, but tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of people who are in the same mindset. And I could make a solid, sustainable earning just from the royalties from that one, whatever it is. It might not be like fifty thousand bucks a month. It might not be like a SaaS MRR situation, but it could solidly pay for my food and my rent. And that's honestly, if I have a couple of those, that's all I care about, right? Because I I don't need to like make the world's the biggest fortune from my little community. Just having enough that allows me to continue doing what I'm doing. It's all I'm looking for at this point. I mean, I say say this as a person who who sold a SaaS business a couple of years ago. So there's some sort of financial security from which I'm talking. So I'm just wanna be honest about this. It's not that I'm living a paycheck to paycheck situation. There's, there's a buffer somewhere, but still I'm not trying to like reach Elon Musk kind of income situation, right? It's, it's just not really what I'm going for because I honestly feel in the community that I'm in, um, I do more for the community by just helping other people in the community succeed than succeeding myself. It kind of comes back to me in some way, yeah. but um, I, I, I don't know, like if if I were to consider how much a tweet where I put like a think boy genius piece of advice out there compares to just a really nice retweet of somebody else's accomplishment, somebody else's accomplishment, that accomplishment retweet brings me more followers and more interesting engagement than my think boy advice tweet. It's just really where it is for me, which is why I stopped giving cool insights or at least I'm not doing as much of that anymore. I just really try to, you know, get other people uh, into the limelight so they can actually accomplish even more mm. by themselves. Which is why this, um, and, and that's that's what you said, Jamie. You, your credentials don't matter to these people. What matters to your community is how you can help them right here, right now, right. It, it, your your degree, and I, I don't even have a, a fancy university degree, kind of dropped out there because I wanted to go into software engineering and it was all a bit too academic for me. I don't have a degree. Like if I were to find a job right now and somebody would ask me for like a computer science university degree or I don't know, like a business degree, I couldn't pr- produce it. Probably wouldn't get that fancy job that requires me to to produce that kind of stuff. But I know that if I wanted to find a job in somebody else's SaaS, either as a developer or as, like I don't know, like a CEO even of their business or a CTO, I would probably, if I asked today on on Twitter, I would get like 500 messages in, in my DMs offering me a job. It's just like the network is so much stronger because they already know how you help them. You don't have to show show your credentials, which suggests that you know it. You do that already by building in public. So it's a totally different ballgame, I feel.
2: It's super cool. I think the number one thing that I love about what you just shared, I mean, I think I, I loved a lot of things, Arvid, but the one thing I want to unpack a little bit further is the idea of you being a software developer that has built a company that has bootstrapped that company that has sold that company that has now written a book that is highly active on Twitter, that gives back to the community. Like that is you productizing yourself. And there are a lot of other avenues that other people could go like instead of, you doing that? If you took Twitter and turned it into Facebook, all of a sudden we have a new person that is like Arvid in a lot of different ways, but has created their own thing in their own corner of the internet. Nobody else is going to be build uh, uh, feedback panda, by the way. But 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 just take that as an example. Like there's mm-hmm. another corner somewhere that is equally as large, um, but Arvid chose Twitter or insert Medium or insert. Instagram, like there's, there's all these other little corners, but then you can take other little things and tweak them and remix them and make them yourself. So what I really love about building right now is every little step that I want to take is more fully productizing who I am. And the things uh, that set that, that make me different from other people are things that any other writer or any other micro SAS creator or any, any other person that's ever going to build anything that's anywhere near my path, like won't have a competitive advantage over, because what I've essentially done is just productize me. Yeah. And, and so I I think writing is a really interesting way to do that. There's so many other products you can build. Um, the, the first character in my book He's a 25 year old former refugee from South Sudan building video games for peace and social impact. And the reason he's able to do this and almost nobody else out there can in the way that he is, is because he grew up in a refugee camp. The first character in his video game is his mother and she is escaping her village on foot in the game as, as an army is invading to spark civil war. Right? So like, I share this and you don't have to be a writer. You can create video games. You can create micro SaaS You can create anything. But the more and more you can incorporate yourself into your creations, the more competitive advantage you're going to build, number one. But number two, uh, people are going to fall in love with you for you, <laughs> yeah. not anything else. I, so I, I think there's something really powerful to what you shared, Arvid.
0: I, I learned that. That, that loops me back round to a point that I wanted to make about uh, this idea of sharing your personality. I, I think is number one, the only differentiator we've all got, and it's the most powerful one. But number two, when I started writing on Twitter in February, I wasn't sharing my personality. And it took me a couple of months, probably the whole imposter syndrome thing again and all of that kind of thing, to stop presenting a perfect version of myself. And then as soon as I started basically getting crazier with Twitter and just doing stupid things and, and, and just making no sense half of the time, that's when people really start to come along because you are showing you. You're showing yourself. And then it becomes the, the differentiator, not only on Twitter. You follow me on Twitter because it's not quite like any other experience, but also the way that I look at things if I make anything like you said that because my personality is being stamped on something if you let yourself stamp your personality on something i think it's an important point if you let your personality be stamped on something you have made a product that cannot be replicated by anybody else and that's really powerful it's what Seth
1: Godin is saying, right? Like with, with this whole approach to you, you don't have to serve everybody. The moment you, you serve everybody, you serve nobody yeah. because everybody has their own preferences and stuff. But finding like your minimum viable audience and serving them explicitly, well, with a personality, that kind of restricts the audience to begin with, which is awesome because like yeah. you, you will get people who like you for you. If you are you, and if you are yourself in your content and whatever you produce as well, which should come naturally to you, because that's just who you are, right? Just like it's it's actually easy mode. You don't have to pretend to be this perfect version of yourself. And I really liked your tweet the other day where you said you're you're um, you're the king of bad treats. I'm just uh, paraphrasing this. (laughs) That's such a nice and and honest. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, interpretation of how you work, right? You, you write bad stuff sometimes, but yeah. that is not bad because it's like bad quality. It's just like quirky. It's just yourself, right? It's it's stuff yeah. that you find funny that other people might not, yeah. which is yeah. fine because we all have different tastes, but you they kind of pre-select themselves. Like if you are who you are, your audience will like pre-select to be just like those people who actually like what you do and who you are. And those people, it's like the 1,000 true fans kind of analogy, right? These are not true fans because the quality of your work is the, the best they've ever seen. It's because it's the right quality of work for them. And that makes a whole lot of difference, which is something you could never figure out if you didn't build a public audience or an audience in public. Like, you wouldn't know what resonates with people if you didn't try all these things. And honestly, I've been on Twitter for, let me check, uh, joined July 2011. That is when I opened this Twitter account. I have one that is two years older, but some weird stuff happened there and it got kind of left um, um, somewhere else. It's like a personal account. This was a deaf account that I made that just turned it into my personal account because I'm lazy and I didn't want to switch back and forth. Doesn't matter. Um, this is a now 10-year-old account almost. Yeah. And I really only started using it in November 2019. Essentially, we all, all three so, of us are not older on Twitter than kind of 2020, right? In a way. And I should have done this much earlier. I had like 400 followers that I had accumulated over these 10 years almost, um, or nine years. And then all of a sudden, I really just was myself and put myself out there. And I found thousands of people who didn't mind. (laughs) It's kind of how I consider my following to be. People who don't mind who I am, right? And that's awesome. Like everything I say is usually met with at least understanding, right? It's understanding approval or enjoyment or celebration, anything on, on those levels. But the, the basic minimum is at least, well, blissful ignorance, but then there's understanding, right? People, okay, I get where this is coming from. I know this guy, he probably means this. And, yeah. and that is such a valuable thing just to find your tone, find your voice, um, which is why I always recommend it. Like it's, there's nothing to lose, honestly, in finding the people who like you, right?
2: There's so many good things in there. And the first one is, I, I want to come back to something you shared at the very beginning. It's that idea of like, uh, I don't know, there's, there's, there's term, and there's terms out there, but I think we're all still hunting for terms and Arvid I'm sure in your next book, you're inventing new terms or taking terms that are sort of known and making them more known. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, uh, but it's that idea of like the influencer versus the creator um, or, uh, I wrote an article about this last year. Like there are kind of like two ways you can, you can create a, a, an audience on, on Twitter or any social platform. You can, you can build a fan page or you can build a community. And like the fan page example that I gave is like, uh, 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 uh Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know where he is right now. A hundred million followers on Twitter. Maybe, uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo posts, posts something on Twitter and, and uh everyone engages with Cristiano. Mm. And that's it's interesting to me. Like Cristiano is an influencer. He's built this fan page. Like people only go there for Christiano. Yeah. Um versus I'll just juxtapose that against someone like a a, a Jack Butcher of a visualized value, uh, you know, one, one of, of the following maybe. Um but yet what Jack has built there is not a fan page. He's built a community. And uh, the, the, one of the key differences there is uh, people don't just go to Jack's comment sections to interact with Jack. They go there to meet other people and interact with each other. And, and so I think like, there's something very special to that like fan page versus community and I don't. There's the term. I don't care what the terms are. Influencer versus creator. Um, there's there's something special there. And you don't need you don't need a hundred million followers to create something very meaningful and sustainable. You know. There's there's a lot of different ways to do
0: it these days. I think. Yeah. That there's. I'm I'm doing a talk on Saturday about personal branding for designers. And I've I've been thinking a lot about terminology and what really that I did. In 2020 that differs from what I did for 14 years. And the thing I keep coming back to is a little bit about this idea of influencer versus creator. And it's it's this idea of prioritizing creating regular content. It doesn't matter what the content is. It might be tweets for you. It might be a podcast. It might be YouTube videos, whatever it is. It might be a blog. But as soon as you prioritize making regular content, ideally daily content, I think it, for some reason, I, I keep returning to the daily thing. And I think it's important that you stay fresh in people's minds. Um, When you create content, what you suddenly start to do is everything that we've been talking about. You put your personality out there. And then you also, because you have put your personality out there and your content, people can see the content and either filter you in or filter you out. And then you become a part of somebody else's habit and i think this is the difference between a creator and an influencer somebody like ronaldo the reason he's where he is 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 purely because of football because he plays football he's famous for, for for a sport or whatever um but i'd be willing to argue that if ronaldo started making content if he started i mean he might already do it i don't follow him but if if he started making content his audience would absolutely explode. Look at somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk, who built his entire following, and actually Jack Butcher. They both built their entire followings on content. They picked a platform and made some particular kind of thing. For Gary Vaynerchuk, it was a daily video. For Jack, it was a daily visual. They both picked something that they could do very regularly, and that filtered people in and out. And I and I think it's a really, really important point, that creator versus influencer thing.
1: I, I want to throw in another definition here because we were just talking about terms and uh, reconsidering them. I think content itself is something that we really need to like, conceptually expand because to, to me, it's mm-hmm. not just an article or a podcast or something you create, right? C- create in, in a sense of that you write it or that you, that you produce it. Content is also, and I was I was looking actually, yesterday I was writing about this because I'm now at that part of my book where I write about these things. So I was looking at a definition and I found one called uh, content is information made available. That was yeah. the most pristine definition that I could find for content. And it was just enough because I feel everything else you put on top of that restricts it. Right. Yep. Because if it's really about information made available, then it doesn't just have to be like actionable information or like an un- understandable guidance kind of information. It could just be connection. And that's really yep. what Jamie was just talking about. Like the difference between an influencer and a creator in a sense, in, in that particular sense is that one uses connection and the other one facilitates connection. Like a creator, a community creator facilitates like bonds people together. When an influencer just kind of channels people's attention either to a thing or to an advertising, a deal that they have, or whatever it is. Like they kind of point somewhere and then the army starts running. But the person that is creating community, they actually like they, they bond this group into a more cohesive unit. So when I think about content, I don't just think about articles or podcast episodes. I also think about questions that you ask people or having a conversation on Twitter. Right? It doesn't have to be your incredibly imaginative, ingenious tweet that is the content. Just actually engaging with somebody else, giving them a perspective and starting this conversation that, that happens, that is content too. Like people go to Twitter to see these conversations. They just don't. They don't, don't go there exclusively for the Think Boy tweets and for the the Naval quotes. Some people do, but you know, not everybody does. Some people just go there to actually see people communicating or see people exploring new things or see people sharing things that they like or sharing pictures of their dog, which is not necessarily content, but I love it. You know, like everybody sees different things that give them this feeling of perceiving something meaningful, something that is information made available. So it it just building connection with people is also content. And if you do this every day, you produce value for the people who follow you. Doesn't have to be an article, doesn't have to be a podcast, could just be hugging people virtually. That's good enough. That's what I'm trying to say.
0: I think that's a, a great place to end cuz Jamie said he needs to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh that, that was so fun and it feels like we've literally touched the surface of it. Um I think we might have to maybe make this a regular thing or something. I don't know. We'll that's, see. That's cool. This is fun, guys. Thank yeah. you. Thanks that's so awesome. much. Uh I honestly
2: want to I want to say like I feel like a Brit a a german and an american just walked into a bar and i I really love that like that's the beauty of of 2020 and 2021 right now that's (laughs) right yeah but
0: there's no joke because we're all actually really boring (laughs) anyway thanks guys and let's chat again soon
1: that was awesome